We have certainly been blessed by good music this morning, haven't we? And singing has been not just for our enjoyment, but all of it. A praise to our God for his goodness to us. I appreciate the work and the preparation, uh, singing and uh, all of the work that's been done. I appreciate it, and um, it's a blessing. Let's pray. Keep your Bibles marked at Hosea chapter 11. Heavenly Father, as we come to the preaching of your word, a hunger for the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, help me as I have just a few minutes to deliver this truth this morning. May it be delivered in a way that could be understood. And Lord, as we look at your greatest quality and the identity of who you are, May we be reminded of how blessed we are to call you our Heavenly Father. Bless the preaching, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The first line in verse number 8 is the text or is the title of the sermon this morning. The question is asked, how shall I give thee up? Without a doubt, God is a God of wrath and judgment against sin. As we open the pages of the Bible, we find God doing what he said he would do because Adam and Eve had sinned and had disobeyed him. The lamb was killed. They were provided a covering, which is the first picture of salvation in the Bible, but they were put outside of the garden because of their sin. When we come to Genesis chapter 6, we find a world that is much like our world today, a nation that has forgotten God, that gives very little to the thought of the fact that there is a God. And the Bible said it repented the Lord that he had even made man, and we see the greatest judgment and punishment that we've ever known in the history of mankind, and that's when God sent the flood for the purpose of judgment to take mankind that he had created away. Only Noah and his family were saved in the ark. I believe that God is a God of wrath and he is a God of judgment. I believe this morning, though it is not enjoyable, it is not comfortable to think of the fact that there is a real place called hell it is true. And those that die without Christ as Savior, they don't just go there to be burned up, but they spend an eternity in a place of death, a place of dying, but of never coming to an end. I fear that the final wrath and judgment of God is soon to come upon this nation and the world for its sin. There are folks today that live wicked lives and they live them on purpose to shake their fist in the face of an almighty God. We have things going on in our world from earthquakes to volcanoes, pestilence, evil, crime, and on and on it goes, which are signs of the last days. However, wrath and judgment is not the identity of God. God is a God of love. He is a God of patience and he is a God of long-suffering. 
such is the case in our text passage of Hosea chapter 11 this morning. If I could put just a small picture in our mind to understand who Ephraim is, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, was the father of 12 sons. We refer to those 12 sons as 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. You may could understand them by thinking of them as 12 states inside a nation. Or they could be 12 nations in a continent. But his 12 sons became the tribes of Israel. When you come to Jacob, you'll find that his tribe is made of his two sons, which were Manasseh and Ephraim. The name Ephraim we see throughout the Bible, sons of Joseph. And understand you have uh, Jacob is the son of Isaac, who is the grandson of Abraham. God had promised to Abraham that he would make of his seed a great nation. I preached many times in a church not far from the Newark uh, airport. And uh, that church has 30 plus different nationalities of people uh, from all over the world that's a part of that church. It's just a part of that culture and that place where folks live there. You talk about a fun time. We all speak English, but they think my form of English is funny. <laughs> I don't know if it is or not, but nevertheless... It is, it is sort of odd to meet folks in one place from so many nationalities. Now of the people of the nation of Israel, Ephraim as a child of Jacob of the nation of people, they are a peculiar nation. They're set apart. That means that all the nations of the world would be blessed through that nation of Israel but sadly, Ephraim is an example of those that left the will of God. Not only did Ephraim leave the will of God, Ephraim went into terrible sin and replaced worshiping God with the worshiping of idols. Sometimes idols that were made of stone or idols that were made of wood and they would make up or have an imaginary God of what this particular God would do, whether it be a rain God or a sun God or whatever the case may be. And they broke that very first commandment of God when he said, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Not only did Ephraim leave the will of God, they worshipped the idols of the heathen. If you read through the book of, Isaiah, of not Isaiah but Hosea, you will find several references to the sins of Ephraim. For example, the Bible says, they will not frame their doings to turn unto God. In other words, they want no limits, they want no borders, they want no laws, they won't frame their doings they do whatever they feel like doing. Another verse in Hosea says, Because Ephraim hath made many altars to sin. Not altars to God, but using altars as worship not to the God of heaven, but to the gods of the world and rebellion against God. He says, Because they've made many altars to sin, altars shall be unto him to sin. 
Hosea said, the iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is hid. The Bible says, when I would have heard Israel, then the iniquity of Ephraim was discovered and the wickedness of Samaria, for they commit falsehood. The thief cometh in and the troop of robbers spoileth without. Ephraim had gone so far into sin they had rejected God. They, they weren't just living their lives. They were purposely rebelling. And they were purposely doing things that God had told them not to do. They had rejected the pleading voice of the prophet. They had ignored the warnings. And God had sent warnings like the plagues of Egypt to get their attention, to get them to come back to him. But the more judgment came, the more rebellious Ephraim was. It seemed that the time of judgment and the time of punishment had come. When we read these words, in verse number 5, He shall not return into the land of Egypt, but the Assyrian shall be his king. Verse number 7, And my people are bent to backsliding from me. Though they called them to the Most High, None at all would exalt him. But then God asked the question with a broken heart. How shall I give thee up Ephraim? God is saying it's time for punishment. But how can I give you up? I know you have sinned and I know you have rebelled. I know you have rejected the warnings and the pleadings of the prophet. And it is not only time for judgment, it's past time for judgment. But Ephraim, I love you so much. How can I give thee up? When I read these difficult words spoken from the heart of a father with love, I'm reminded of some of the most difficult funerals I've preached in the 35 years of ministry. I've heard the cries of a mother or a father over the death of a young child. And I've heard them say something similar. How can I go on without you? How can I give you up? I've preached funerals where a young man or a young wife had died. And oh... I broke my heart to hear the cries and to hear the hurt and the pain of a young husband or a young wife say similar words to what God is saying. I just can't give you up. I don't know how I can make it. Dear friend, I want to say this morning the Lord Jesus does not want anyone to die and go to a devil's hell. I want to say this morning, he is such a loving God. He is such a patient God. God gave his only begotten son, not for good men, but for sinful men, to die in our place that we can have eternal life in Christ. I want to say to you this morning, there's not a single person here. 
I don't care how far you've gone in your sin. I don't care where sin has taken you or how rebellious you've behaved against the God of heaven. Perhaps you've cursed and used his name in vain and you've shaken your fist in the face of an almighty God. I want to tell you something. Even though I understand he is a God of wrath and judgment, his love is greater than we can comprehend. And there's not a boy or girl, a teenager, a man or woman that God would want to die and go to hell. Why did he love Ephraim so much? If you will look again in Hosea chapter 11 and verse number 1, we find why. He said in verse number 1, When Israel was a child, then I loved him and called him my son out of Egypt. And they called them, so they went from them. They sacrificed unto Balaam and burnt incense to graven images. I taught Ephraim also to go, taking them by their arms. But they, they knew not that I healed them. I drew them with cords of a man, with bands of love. And I was to them as they that take off the yoke on their jaws. And I laid meat unto them. You know what he was saying? He was saying, I love you like parents love a newborn child. You remember when we brought those children home? You know, I was always afraid I was going to break one of the kids. And you ever watch how those nurses handle those babies in the nursery there at the hospital? They just about hand them off like footballs. I mean, they just roll them over and pick them up by the arm and but I remember those babies coming home. God gave us five children. We had three boys first, and then two drama or two daughters. Uh, uh, but 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 I remember, I remember watching them grow. We fed them with a bottle, you know, and and uh, Mama fed them and took care of them. And I remember when they got about big enough for gravy, or I mean for Gerber, uh, uh, for Gerber food. And I always liked it. They, they love gravy. They, they like gravy a whole lot better than they do those smashed potatoes and peas and carrots. Oh, my goodness. You remember you'd take a spoon, you'd push, push it in, and you'd spit it back out. You'd take the spoon, you'd scrape it off, and you'd shove it back in there. They'd spit it back out again. You'd scrape their gums, and finally they'd have to swallow that stuff. No wonder I don't like peas and and, and carrots now, it's the way they treated me probably when I was a baby. You, you, you remember, you teach them to walk, and uh, they, they, they start standing up, and, and, and you hold them up, and, and mom will stand just a few uh, steps away, and, and, and they'll, they'll, they'll just barely start to waddle, and they'll fall down, and you grab them. I remember I was visiting uh, Brother Watts. Brother Watts, a grown man, big man today, and he's worked in our school for 20 years. I remember when I visited when he was a, a, a baby, and I thought the kid could walk. And I was just in the home there, and I, he was standing up, and I was holding his hands like that, and he just holding on to my knees. I thought he could walk. I turned him around. I just turned him loose. <laughs> he fell. They said, why'd you do that? I said, well, I thought he could walk. I didn't know he couldn't walk. You remember how we helped our children to walk? You, you, you remember how we taught them to talk? Uh, now, as grandparents, you talk like they talked then. Now and again, I'll, I'll hear an airplane or a train, I'll say to my wife, 
and I'll talk like Joel talked when he was a baby. Or he'd taste of those peas, he'd say, natney, natney. <laughs> or he had this word, won't white wait, won't white wait. That means I don't like it. I could tell by the look in his face what he was trying to say. I'll never forget one morning, John, and, I, and, and he didn't know a whole lot of words. He looked at my wife and he said, you're a grouch pot. <laughs> Called her a grouch pot in the morning. Now, I never do that before 11 o'clock in the day. But anyway, he said that early in the morning. We painted their rooms. We decorated. We planned their room before they were born. We heard any little sound. We came to you in the night. Make sure you're okay. We planned birthday parties and we acted like a fool, like we'd learned not to behave after growing up. A one-year-old can make a grandfather just look like a dummy. We took you on vacation. We sacrificed for Christmas. And God said, Ephraim, how can I give you up? I can't give you up. It's hard to come to a time of judgment. It's hard to punish you. I gave you every enjoyment of life. Why have you rebelled? That's exactly what he is saying. And can I tell you the heart of God today to his creation that he gave his only begotten son for. Sometimes we get frustrated and aggravated and we just want to forget the world and let them go on in their rebellion. But God with a broken heart says, I gave my son that you could have eternal life. Don't live that way. Don't live in sin that way. Don't die and go to a devil's hell. How can I give, give you up? Can I tell you as wicked as Sodom and Gomorrah was, God didn't want to destroy Sodom. God said, if you'll show me 50 righteous people, I'll spare it. He said, I'll spare it for 40. He said, I'll spare it for just 30 righteous. How shall I give you up? He said, if you just give me 10 righteous, I'll spare it. God didn't want to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. God doesn't want to punish the backslider this morning. God doesn't want to punish the disobedient. God doesn't want to bring judgment on the nation. I, I, I thought my dad was lying when he said to me, son, this is going to hurt me more than you. I thought when I was a boy, yeah, right, you're just saying that. You don't mean that. When I watched my dad, he believed in corporal correction, I started to say capital punishment. Sometimes it wasn't much difference in the two. When I was growing up, I didn't get spankings. In fact, I have a book entitled How to Be Close to Your Children, and the typesetter called me, and they said, you have a word that needs to be changed here. And I said, what is it? They said, you said you got a whooping. He said, it's better spanking. I said, oh, no, there's a difference in spanking and a whooping. He said, a whooping's a cough. I said, I cough. I said, a spanking's four or five licks. A whooping's one lick shy of death. That's what a whooping is. But I've watched my daddy after he's given me a good whipping. I've watched him come back with 
watery red eyes saying, Son, I love you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't punish you. But if you don't learn to obey me, you're not going to obey a police officer. If you don't obey me, you're not, you're not going to obey a school teacher. If you don't obey me, you're not going to obey a coach. You have to learn to be obedient to authority. I, I, I didn't think he was telling the truth when he said, it hurts me. I didn't think it hurt him. But I want to tell you, when you have children, you understand. It's not an easy thing to punish your children. And that's what God's saying here. He said, how can I give you up? How can I give you up? I want to say this morning as I make application for our lives today, as I thank God for his compassion toward me, I'm thankful for his long suffering and his patience. And I want to tell you, every one of us ought to be thankful, not just for the fact that he saved us, but he was patient with us in our rebellion. He was long suffering with us in our time that we didn't want to give him our attention. But thank God he was patient with us to the day of our salvation. I say to those of of us this morning as we look around us in this world and sometimes we're filled with frustration to the place that we want to say to the world you can go on to the devil and I don't care I'm just going to go on and live my life but wait a minute there's a God in heaven that is given to the local church a responsibility to tell the world I love you I gave my son for you that you could have eternal life we can't give up on the soul's of children and teenagers in our country. I know if you look at teenagers as a whole, sometimes you see a behavior that is not respectful. Sometimes we see problems with attitudes and with drugs and alcohol. And I know there's sometimes among teenagers a, a behavior that is not good. But I want to say this morning as God said to Ephraim, how shall I, shall I give thee up? How can the church look at this community and this region of the country and say to the children, I give up. I'm not going to try anymore. We can't give up. We must reach every boy and every girl. We must reach every teenager with the gospel of Christ. Yesterday morning in bus meeting as the bus workers were preparing to visit and work on their bus routes, uh, several gave testimony of what God was doing uh, on their bus route and Jeremy gave testimony about a, 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 a child that came on the bus that for several weeks they said, we don't want to go and parents said, we don't want to go and then they came on Easter Sunday and Easter Sunday was a, it's always a good day and they ate and they played games, had fun, they learned Bible stories, they heard preaching they sang songs the next week he heard from the child that said that was the best day of my life last Sunday as I baptized two boys Jeremiah Sunday morning Zachariah Sunday night or one or the other I baptized Jeremiah and Zachariah and don't you ask how old I am either but anyway I baptized those two I remember when their daddy got saved on a bus route as a just a little boy. I remember when Brother Steve Taylor just, just came on a bus as a little boy. Now he and Hillary rearing their children to love God and to serve God. I saw them when they 
uh, when they came in this morning in black suits and ties and happy to be in church. Friend, can I tell you something? I don't care how dark and difficult things may get in our country. We've got to reach the children. We've got to reach the teenagers. We've got to keep the buses running and te keep teaching in our Sunday school class. As, as God said to Ephraim, even though Ephraim had become wicked, how shall I give thee up? We can't give up on our children. I say quickly, we can't give up on marriage and family. Marriages and families are under attack so much in our day. Hollywood seems to make a living just trying to attack and destroy uh, the home the, uh, and marriage and a husband and wife and rearing their children. And there was a day when uh, Leave it to Beaver and, and uh, shows like that, uh, they portrayed the family as something good and right now they want to make every man uh, look like he's a slob and every woman look like she's an adulterer. And that's just not true. That's not true. America's a better nation than represented on the Hollywood screen. America's a better nation than the sorry media is trying to portray us as this morning. And some see the news on the media and they say it'd be easier to just give up and be easier to say I'm just going to live my life and enjoy life. May I say this morning, we cannot give up on marriage. We cannot give up on the family. We must teach our children uh, to, as they grow up that men are supposed to work and provide for their families and that uh, the ladies are supposed to work and care for their children and we can have godly homes again in our country. We can't let the heathen criticize what God has designed as the building block of society and go along with it. We can't give up just as God said, I can't give up on Ephraim. And I wish I had another 30 minutes this morning, but I'll say, last of all, my heart is broken for America this morning. And I'm disappointed by a lot of behavior I'm disappointed by a lot of behavior in Washington. I'm disappointed that they continue to murder the unborn. What a sad thing it is. The media is like a mad dog trying to destroy our nation today. We've lost our trust and we've lost our, we, 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 we've lost our trust in, in decency as far as our elections are concerned. We've lost our trust in honesty as far as people are concerned. And it would be easy for us to look at the nation like God looked at Ephraim and said, you're so wicked. You haven't just rebelled. You've worshipped other gods just to hurt me. But he said, I can't. I can't forget when I delivered you from Egypt. I just can't forget when I taught you to walk. And I just can't forget when you couldn't feed yourself. I fed you and I took care of you as a baby and as a child. I just can't give up on you, Ephraim. I want to say this morning, we can't give up on America this morning. And the hope for this nation is not another and a new politician. The hope for this nation is for churches to preach the principles and truths of that old book right there and say to this nation, we need to come back to God. We don't need conservatism. We need a revival. We don't need to conserve this rot that's going on in our country. We need to come back to God. We need to repent of our sin and say, Lord, we've sinned before heaven and before God. I preach night after night after night. I've traveled millions of miles across this country. 
My wife and I were talking the other day. In June will be our 34th wedding anniversary. At least six years, if you add up the days I've been gone and nights I've stayed in a motel, I've been gone six, at least six years of our marriage preaching that book right there. And I want to tell you why. The only hope for this country is that book. We look at our nation. Sometimes we say it's too far gone. Would you this morning look at it and say, it's a mess, but how can I give up on my country? How can I give up on right? Go ahead and stand with me. I'm not finished preaching, but my time's gone. I'll finish tonight or tomorrow. You get the message this morning, God doesn't want you to die in your sin. God doesn't want punishment to come. God rather forgive. Here this morning, you've never received Christ as your Savior. You ought to trust Christ as your Savior this morning. Here this morning, you're not in the will of God. You ought to get right with God today. You ought to get on your knees and confess your sin before God and say, I want to be clean and right and holy. I want to be usable in your sight. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the truth of the message. Sometimes we look to you, Lord, and we want you to judge the world. We want you to judge sin, and sometimes it's just overwhelming. And then, Lord, we find this picture in Hosea chapter 11. And, oh, God, we look at a God who said, yes, it's time for judgment. You're worthy of judgment, but how can I give you up? We've given our sons for the freedom of this nation. We fought, we bled, and died for this country. God, we can't give up now. I pray that you'd help us to renew our heart of love for others around us this morning. And for those, Lord, that we teach and we train in our midst to do right and to enjoy life and enjoy marriage. Oh, God, help us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray.